Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy... Quarter number one means news and notes. Are you all ready to chat Penn State football? Let's do some January Penn State football chat. This is deep stuff this time of year. It's the most quiet time of the year. It it is. It is. But let's get to it. Um, We had talked about this earlier in the weeks. I just wanted to get a quick thought from you. A new wide receiver coach, Marcus Hagens coming in from UVA, from Virginia, where he had spent essentially his entire coaching career. He wasn't that big-name hire that a lot of people were looking for, but seems like a solid hire. Your thoughts? So I I never thought Penn State was looking for a big-name hire at this position, and if you did, I don't know what you were thinking because it's not an appealing position. But I think... They got like a heart and soul guy um, at Virginia. I mean, he was a Virginia alum, so he was the face of the program. He'd been there for a long time. He wasn't part of the new coaching staff that they hired prior to the 2022 season in terms of moving up. You know, he wasn't considered for the OC. I don't know if he got any consideration for the head coaching job, but his strength is sort of relational talent development. He seems to know how to speak to the, to football players in that, in their language. And he develops, he's developed a lower level talent player and made some really good receivers out of him. He's, he's known as a really good recruiter, but I look at it, he's recruiting for his alma mater. That's like a double whammy. Like it's, of course he's good at recruiting because he's recruiting for his school. I I want to see how he recruits when he's not recruiting for his school and he's recruiting for, you know, Penn State, another school. That's a different dynamic. The general consensus you would think is, well, he's going to be working with a higher caliber receiver. I'm not sold on that. So I want to see how he develops what some might perceive as a higher caliber of talent and what he can do with it, but he's a rock-solid human being. He fits the James Franklin mold, right? Like, he kind of fits, checks some of those boxes off that you really like about James Franklin. If you like, you know, good human beings, I'm going to say that out loud, so it fits, right? Like, it seems to be a really good fit. I think also, Andy, I will give him the benefit of the doubt that it should be easier to recruit for Penn State than UVA. And Penn State has done pretty well in Virginia, which is his main area of recruiting and where he has all the connections. So I I think he will be able to continue um, doing well with the recruiting. Let's get to a few more items uh, this week. We had... uh, Jamari Budin, former Penn State linebacker who entered the transfer portal, he announced that he will be uh, continuing his football and academic career at New Mexico State. Kind of unusual. You don't hear many people uh, heading to New Mexico State through the transfer portal. But I think the message I get from this, Andy, is 
you know, good for him continuing his career at another university. But it's another player that we don't look at from Penn State saying, oh, no, he left and he showed up at Ohio State or Michigan or Alabama or Georgia. The players Penn State is losing, they're typically going to a lower level program. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, so the interest, yeah, yes, I do agree. And good for him because it's not easy. It's not as easy as you think coming out of the portal these days, right? Like, it's not an easy prospect for players when they enter this to find a landing spot. But so the thing about Penn State that you bring up is they're not losing them to the Ohio States and Georgias and Alabama, but they're not losing them to the Maryland's, the Ohio's, the Rutgers, you know, Boston colleges, even per se, you know, I think they had a safety once went to pit, but they think of the, they're, they're losing players that should be going looking for another opportunity. They're not, losing players that could or maybe should be contributing to Penn State, right? Like, who's the biggest transfer portal in the transfer portal area that Penn State's lost? Well, that's easy. It's quarterback Will Levis, right, who went to Kentucky. And he was a backup. And at that time, it was the right move for him, and it was the right move where Penn State was that, Sean Clifford was the starting quarterback over Will Levis at that time, right? I'm not saying we're doing Monday morning quarterbacking here, but he's the biggest name that's left. And at the time, he was a backup quarterback. And, you know, since then, maybe Christian Bayou, and he makes perfect sense. He showed a lot in the start, lost out to a five-star who passed him on the depth chart last year. Of course, he has to go find a place to play, but... It's just that Penn State's not losing, you know, interior D lineman or a good right tackle, young right tackle to, you know, like Maryland or, you know, Rutgers or something. They're not, they don't lose guys to the transfer portal. And I think that that's something really important to keep an eye out, you know, and keep an eye on to look back at and to keep an eye on going forward is, they do a really good job of holding on to the players they need to hold on to. Overall, they really have. I think, Andy, you mentioned Will Levis and Christian Vayu. I think quarterback and transfer portal, that's a different discussion than every other position. It, it really point. is. You could only play one quarterback. You make that choice. The backup guy's probably going to be gone. That's the issue at every school. Every place has it. I mean, Joe Burrow, who's all-world in the NFL, he was a transfer from Ohio State, okay? That's just the nature of the beast and the way that works. Uh, Just a couple from my memory, quick ones that maybe went to larger schools. Did not Noah Kane go to LSU? And uh, was it Holmes who went to Florida State, the other running back? But again, that's a position where we had – you know, the young guns, the freshmen Singleton and Catron Allen come in and the other guys weren't going to see as much playing time. So that's why they ended up at a bigger school. Justin Shorter went to Florida, right? right. Did He did good, right? He did better than he did at Penn State, but he was given opportunity. Noah Kane, 
was, you know, a really good back for Penn State and then had some injury problems. And, I mean, he did okay for LSU, but these aren't guys who go to another school and then light up. Like, Chop Robinson left Maryland, came to Penn State as a DN, and had a very good year, and it's clear Maryland lost something in that player, right? It's I don't think it's Penn State's had players where it was evidently clear they lost something. Right. What Penn State has not had, and Chop Robinson is a great example, Chop Robinson left Maryland to get to a bigger opportunity. It's kind of like Jordan Addison at Pitt going to USC. He wanted wanted to be on the bigger stage. Penn State has not suffered that kind of loss where it's right. a starter and a potential star who's moved on to go to a, a bigger stage. So give James Franklin and his staff credit for that. Uh, sticking with the uh, transfer portal, just a quick thought, a note that I saw recently. If you remember, going back to the quarterback transfer portal, Micah yep. Bowens, the quarterback out of uh, Vegas who came to Penn right. State, transferred to Oklahoma, and I remember at the time thinking, going to Oklahoma, he'll never see the field there. I'm not going to be surprised to see him back in the portal. Guess what, Andy? Yeah. Back <laughs> in the portal. He, he, he's back in the portal. So I thought that would be a, a, a fa- fascinating note for Penn State fans. A couple other notes, uh, Andy. Um we were talking about uh, Will Levis. Just one final note on him. Mel Kuyper, I think, is head of the Will Levis fan club. Uh, he loves him at quarterback. And in his latest mock draft, he has Will Levis going in the top five in the draft. Your thoughts on that? So I like Will Levis. I really do. And I just, I don't get it. Like, can somebody explain this to me like I'm a, you know, a second grader? I I don't get it at that, quite at that level. And I'm a Will Levis fan. Like, I would watch Kentucky football games the last couple of years just to watch Will Levis play because I like Will Levis. And I like what he's done and the way he's developed. But I'm like, like, I'm like first round top five. And I'm like, I... And it's not because I just don't just think the kid stinks, but I'm like, I don't know if he has it at that level. I Maybe I haven't seen it. Okay. I'm going to explain it to you, Andy, like you're a five-year-old. Okay. Yeah, help here, me out. Here, I'm going to help you out. Here's what it is. Josh Allen, when he came out of college, was big, strong kid with mobility, toughness, a big, strong arm. And he was very unpolished, and he became something special in the NFL. How many GMs are going to be just like Mel Kuyper, that they look at him, at Will Levis, and they see Josh Allen and say, aha, there's our version of it. That's my explanation for it, Andy, and that's what's going on. It's a very good point, Jimmy, and I will ride, I will coattail on that and say that you in the NFL, and I need to change my mindset. The NFL quarterback now has to have mobility, right? The game is changed at the NFL level that you can be a primary pocket passer, maybe, but generally speaking, you need to have some mobility and a strong arm to be successful. 
And Jalen Hurts is another example. So, you know, we'll see how it goes for him, but I like him. That's the bottom line. I love the kid, and I think he plays the game really hard. One last very quick note. Uh, Michigan, they have one tunnel where the teams come back out after halftime, had an incident with Penn State, had a bigger incident with Michigan State. They're expanding the tunnel to try to avoid that. Again, not a surprise there, Andy, right? No, no. They they had to do something after the Michigan State thing. Andy, that's going to have to be it for quarter number one with our news and notes. Stick around. In quarter number two, we're going to take a look at the 2023 Penn State football schedule. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of interesting things going on with that schedule. I just took a look at it, Andy. I've got several questions for you. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andrew P. Shea. It is now quarter number two. And Andy, I wanted to talk to you about the 2023 season and specifically the Penn State football schedule. I thought it'd be a nice time to take a look at it. There's a couple interesting items that I want to get your take on. Sure. And, you know, so let's, let's go through the schedule. The first thing that sticks out, Penn State has an interesting game to start the season, and that's with West Virginia. And we've been used to the out-of-conference games 
outside of Auburn the last couple of years have been, you know, the Kent States and Central Michigans and, you know, your your MAC type teams. And now we get, yes, <laughs> Villanova and this year UMass sneaks into the schedule, but they get West Virginia. It's their opener. It's at home. Now, West Virginia has not had, did not have a huge season this past year in the Big 12, but, but you, you're, you know, it's a live body you're up against here for an opener for Drew Aller. I think this makes it a in, very interesting start to the season. Yeah, there is. West Virginia presents a little bit more of a less of a warm up for Drew Aller than, you know, you would like. I mean, Penn State's. Season in 2022 kicked off at Purdue. Hello, welcome to the jungle, right? This isn't quite that, but, you know, it's got some elements. And, you know, for old school fans, more seasoned fans, Penn State, West Virginia, right? It has has relevance and it has meaning back when it was an East Coast-centered schedule. West Virginia, Penn State was a was a – a good game. Like it was one you look forward to on the schedule. Um, so it has that sort of sentimental meaning for old school fans, but it is a, it is a quality opener for a young quarterback. How's that for my bottom line language? It, it, it is, it does work that way. Then after taking on the Delaware blue hands <laughs> at home, Surprise, surprise, they then get to their first road game of the year uh, and their first Big Ten game. It's Illinois on the road, a Big Ten opener on the road. Who in the world saw that coming, Andy? Right, there you go. There's the bitter beer face Penn State fan in you, Jimmy. We always open on the road in the Big Ten, and your athletic director eloquently points that out as well. But Illinois... They're going to apply the same formula under Brett they did in 2022, which is the ground game and defense. And they lost their DC as they should have because that guy did really ridiculously good stuff. They lost a ton of horsepower. Um, But they kind of have an identity and they know who they are. So they will ask some questions of Penn State, particularly on offense at another level very early in this season. So, you know, it's it's not like a 50-50 game, in my opinion, because what we're not taking into account here is, well, what does this bring to the table for Penn State? I'm going to say, hey, West Virginia, hey, Delaware, meet Manny Diaz's defense. Good luck, right? That's the flip side of those games to me early, but – I still think Illinois will ask some questions that Penn State did not get asked in its first eight quarters. And and I think despite it being a road game, it's a good place to have a first road game. You know, it it makes it interesting as a generic fan of college football to in, pretty early in September to have at least an interesting matchup. As a Penn State diehard fan, which I am, you brought up Purdue. I don't think there was any doubt for the 2022 season Penn State was the better team. If you're going to give Purdue a chance to win that game, you play it at Purdue, you play it at night, you play it as an opener where their fan base is still revved up and raring to go. 
Yep. Now, I have not I, – I should have taken a look at Illinois' out-of-conference schedule, what they play prior to Penn State. But even if they play podunk U going into that game against Penn State, that Illinois – Illinois will be pumped up for that game against Penn State. It, it'll be like their Super Bowl, just like it was for Purdue a year ago. And that's why me, athletic director Patrick Kraft, and all other diehard Penn State fans are so upset that this is what, you know, the 39th time in a row Penn State has started your Big Ten schedule on the road. So it's just not right. But... It is what it is. Let's move on. I I know you were frantically typing there. I don't know if you saw what Illinois' schedule is prior to Penn State, but if, Toledo if they're and like Kansas. Toledo and Kansas. Kansas might be interesting, but good chance Illinois will go into that game two and zero. You know their fan base will be jacked up for that game. Following week doesn't get easier. They play uh, Penn State plays Iowa at home, their first Big Ten home game, and. That just might work out as the the whiteout game, just like a year ago it was whiteout with Minnesota, which I don't think would be a bad idea. You know, you do it in September. Weather's uh, still nice. Uh, The Michigan game, of course, is at home, but that's not until November, late in the year, so you never know. What do you think about this Iowa game, Andy? When it comes to Iowa, can the McNamara kid – the Michigan transfer quarterback, can he unlock this offense? They're the most unwatchable team in the entire FBS Power 5, regardless of their results or their record. Um, But I will say this, their defense will bring it. After back-to-back games at Illinois on the road and Iowa at home, even if it's the whiteout, facing those two defenses back-to-back, I know you will learn a lot more about this 2023 Penn State offense and Drew Aller is their starting quarterback. That is sort of like my bold prediction is after you play those two games, we're going to know a lot more, Jimmy. We, we definitely will. Uh, let's move on from there going through the schedule. The following week, it's at Northwestern. Uh, I don't think we need to say a lot nope. there. Northwestern could be a fascinating up-and-down team, but I'm still expecting the Nittany Lions to prevail there. They then have a bye week. They then have another bye week that we're calling a UMass scrimmage. <laughs> You're so crazy. Before they take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. And I think a lot of people will look at that as good scheduling. Week off, UMass, and then Ohio State. So in essence, you get two or three weeks to get ready for the Buckeyes at home. Yeah, and they're gonna do they're gonna send a lot of guys to the NFL again, and they're gonna keep winning football games at an alarming level. The the gap, I I think the gap with Penn State and Ohio State has, you know, over the last five years or six years, seven years maybe, it hasn't been that big. And I just feel right now it's almost razor thin. I really do. Going into 2023, I think the gap between these two teams Matchup-wise, it just feels razor-thin to me. And they're both going to have some questions answered, but Penn State enjoys playing Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State really enjoys playing Penn State. No, I don't think they do. And did I did I say they had them at home? That was actually on, the road. on the road. Yes. 
It, it is at Ohio State. Um, I think I misspoke with that one. After that, it's the Indiana Hoosers and the Maryland Terrapins at Maryland. Does Maryland, I don't want to say scare you, Andy, but they're going to have the veteran quarterback. Yeah. It just seems like they're always on the cusp of taking that next step. At this point in the season, it's already November. We'll find out what Maryland is. Um, is there any chance that Maryland's going to be a better competitive team? So for Mar- <laughs> the Maryland thing is I, their new de- defensive coordinator last season, um, he, he showed some initial huge first steps. Yeah, they're going to have some NFL holes to fill. But as I watch college football, I call them Maryland mistakes. They can't stop doing them. They're just, they're almost at times unexplainable or you're just sitting there holding your head going like, oh my gosh, not three penalties in a row. You know, in games that are 50-50 in the third quarter or so, or in the second quarter, they just, they make Maryland mistakes. In order to compete with Penn State, they have to eliminate that overall because Penn State is is a bad matchup for them. They, they it's just Penn State generally speaking whether Maryland's in a good spot or not has they just take this team behind the woodshed and it's a bad matchup. And they have a lot to clean up to be competitive or at least seem seem competitive at the Penn State level right now. Yeah, it it seems like a big step, but what you also have is this is what a lot of people will call that trap game yes on the road at maryland arrival with the michigan wolverines coming to town the following week and it's november 11th with michigan and it's late in the season is it too late to have the whiteout for the michigan game which is why i thought gee maybe we'll see it with iowa in uh, in september instead but michigan off back-to-back conference championships, back-to-back beating Ohio State, uh, returning very highly regarded quarterback. How do you see that, even though Penn State has him at home? Yeah, it's it's the game Penn State doesn't like to play. It's the highest, it's the biggest mountain for Penn State to climb right now as a program. Bigger than Ohio State, in my opinion. It's just the matchup. It just, it just doesn't, it's just not good for Penn State. It doesn't work well. It's it's the way they play football and the when, way Penn State plays football, it just creates like an uncomfortable, tough situation for them. So it's the highest, hardest mountain that Penn State climbs. And Michigan will be at the level that makes it, you know, you know, sort of Mount Everest climb type stuff. It is a very difficult matchup. It it is and Penn State is going to be coming off of, obviously, what happened last year where Michigan, they outplayed Penn State, they outcoached Penn State, they outflanked them, outstrategized, out everything. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to that. The following week, it's Rutgers. Rutgers is still Rutgers. And then finish the season at Michigan State which, again, could be another one of those trap games. You don't know what Michigan State you're going to see. The team from two years ago or the team from a year ago? Andy, unfortunately, we're out of time. That's it. Stick around, though. 
We come back, quarter number three, your questions, and we ask Andy. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. It is quarter number three of our show. That means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions and we present them to Andy. And at the end of this segment, Andy will pick out the best question. This segment, it's brought to you by our good friends at 409tailgateclub.com. The place for all the great barbecue sauces, barbecue rubs, Bloody Mary mix. And of course now introducing the coffee barbecue rubs. Andrew P. Shea, an expert at them which is a very good thing considering our first question. And it is from Brad and Perkisy who says, uh-oh, where did I, I lost this question. Here we go. Brad <laughs> says, Andy, it's your turn to earn your NIL money. Which is the best barbecue coffee rub and why? And also his football-related question is, which players are facing a make-or-break spring and why? Let's start with the barbecue rubs. What's your favorite, Andy? So I think my favorite is the Costa Rican. Um, I will tell you that the French roast on beef is like a match in heaven, but the versatility of the Costa Rican, particularly on a pork tenderloin, trust me, Pork tenderloin or pork on a grill, 
Costa Rican on a on a pork tenderloin is absolutely ridiculous. Well, I'll tell you what. I had the Costa Rican on the chicken, and I loved that. So, and then the third, have you had the Sumatran yet? Have you used that yet? I have not used that one yet. I, I, I've taste tested it by itself and thought about it, but I think that's going to go on my chicken next time I grill. It, it does have an interesting smell to it. I haven't tried that one yet either, but I'm looking forward to it. All right. Now to, to I hope that answered your question, Brad, but from the football question, which players facing make or break in this spring, Andy? Oh, interesting. Uh, I think Caden Wallace is a make or break this spring. I'd like to know. I, I think Caden Wallace is a make or break. And ooh, I think a combination of a couple, two, three wide receivers with a new coach and some young players and some transfer portal coming in, it could be make or break. I think it's make or break at the wide receiver position beyond – Keandre Lambert Smith and the transfers. I'm with you. My, my first thought was uh, some of those young wide receivers who aren't so young anymore. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. They've now yeah. been in the program two or three years. It's time for them to either step up or not. So, you know, that's, uh, that's where my attention went to immediately. Let's go to Frank in Warminster who says, if Will Levis is a first-round pick, what does that say about the head coach and his staff's actual evaluation of the quarterback position overall? It seems like a huge miss to pick a guy who won't even get drafted over a first-round pick. Sorry, Frank. I I I think you get to Monday. Mo- that's a Monday morning quarterback, and there was nothing at the time that decision was made that told me that you could see based on what happened on the field and the tape that was laid down there. There's nothing that told me that Will Levis is clearly going in going to be the better quarterback in two to three years over Sean Clifford. And at the time in terms of, you know, even though there was a tremendous amount of development already there, you just couldn't, really see the arm talent of Will Levis. You could see like he had a strong arm, but it wasn't like consistent enough to be like, that kid's a starting quarterback, right? Like it didn't scream to you that that kid's going to be a starting quarterback, let alone a top 10 or top 15 pick in the NFL when he's done playing college football. And the shift in the game has benefited him. And to his credit, he has developed tremendously, continued that development at Kentucky, but I don't think you could have seen it coming. I really don't. Well, I'm I'm going to add this to the conversation, Andy. I, I think you could tell that the ceiling for Will Levis was high, even at that point. But I think Sean Clifford was the safer choice. The floor for Will Levis was lower than what it was for Sean Clifford. Now, as far as, you know, the fact that Will Levis is going to be a first round NFL pick that has more to do with that upside. Will Levis has NFL strength arm. He has NFL uh, caliber, toughness, size, strength, mobility, 
But that doesn't mean he's going to be a good quarterback. We talked about this a little bit in quarter number one. I think a lot of NFL GMs will look at uh, Will Levis and they see Josh Allen. That's the absolute high side, you know. So is it possible that Will Levis will be the better NFL quarterback than Sean Clifford? Absolutely. Absolutely. Doesn't mean, though, that he was the better college quarterback. Let's move on. Uh, Speaking of NFL, Daniel from uh, Bell Vernon says, Andy, do you think Robbie Gold has a chance of being inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame? Oh, um, yes. I, I, I do because you know what? Yes, I do because the crazy part about Robbie Gold is, first of all, he's been around since Methuselah was a pup. He's been around forever, right? But now that you need to be able to make 50 to 52 to 53 yarders, like 50 is the new 40 from five to seven years ago with kickers now, right? Like you, it's, and as he's gotten older, he's now able to do that. I mean, he, in the NFC divisional round, I think he made a 50 and 52 yarder and they were like money. It was like, yeah, he just kind of swipes that leg and puts him through. Yeah. I do. I think he has a really good shot as I think about it more. I think Robbie Gold's an NFL caliber kicker. San Francisco getting a Super Bowl would be helpful late in his career. That would help. And perhaps a late game field goal to win this Super Bowl wouldn't hurt his chances. The only thing, there are not a lot of pure kickers in the NFL Hall of Fame. And You know, and I don't know the uh, names right off the top of my head, but it's just a couple of them. I think I saw somewhere where there were like four kickers. And you still have a couple other guys. How about, was it Justin Tucker who kicked for the Ravens, who was really good? Yeah, he's a lot. Um, How about about Janikowski? Was he good enough to be a Hall of Famer? Vinatieri. Yeah, so, you know, and it's not like you're taking two or three kickers at a time. So he may have to wait his turn, and he may still need to make a big kick somewhere along the line, uh, you know, to seal it. But uh, we'll see. He's definitely had an amazing NFL career. And if you recall in his Penn State career, he was a little shaky early on in his Penn State career. So good for him. He represents uh, Penn State very well. All right, let's go to Steve in Columbia. He's – He's talking about our conversation that you and I had about James Franklin a couple weeks ago. I agree with you in your overall analysis of James Franklin from last week. I'll give him a free pass on his first two years with sanctions and reluctantly agree with 20 and 21, but he did a very poor job. From this point forward, three strikes and he's out in my book. Barring some calamity or incredible rash of injuries, 2023 means double-digit wins for sure. The schedule's extremely favorable. Anything less is unacceptable. I like James Franklin and agree with you and Jim on his strong and weak points. He's our coach and not going anywhere, but it's time for him to deliver on a consistent basis. Your opinion, Andy. And Jimmy... And Andy, sitting in the pew in the church, said to Steve, up on the altar, preaching it, 
Amen. He's he he's 100% right. It is the the it is time for the in in, in you know year it's a decade. It is time everything has been sort of pushed to meet his needs. It is time for 9 or 10 wins to be maybe the basement instead of the middle to high range. You know what I mean? Like it's time to say, can we be 11 and one or could we be 12 and 0? That's, that's where they've got to be. I think an 11 and one regular season based on the schedule, man, you are not wrong. Steve 2023 has a lot of elements. It looked like, that is possible or has a greater possibility and could and should possibly be an expectation. You want to dig into a little more, but he is not wrong, Jimmy. He nailed it. He did, but we're all different just a little bit. And I'll give James Franklin credit. You, Andy, me, Steve from Columbia, we all agree the timing is now set up. Everything is in place for 23 and 24 and hopefully then 25 for this team to excel. But the only reason they're in that position is James Franklin. Correct. He he deserves credit for putting them there where, you know, like you said, nine wins has got to be the bare minimum, in, uh, you know, going into 23. But <laughs> with that said, you have two teams in your own division, I know. In Michigan and Ohio State, who are saying the same thing. Nobody else in college football faces that same road among those elite teams. Nobody else has two teams not just in their conference, but in their own division. You know, you look at the only two teams in one conference who are comparable to that Michigan-Ohio State are Alabama and Georgia in the Southeast Conference, and they are in separate divisions. Not only that, they never play each other in a crossover, okay? So nobody else has to deal with that. So I, I think you have to look at that also. And by coincidence, Andy, we're going to talk about the entire Big Ten schedule in quarter number four, and we're going to hit on this topic. So it will be fascinating. And because I went off on that tangent, Andy, we've run out of time in quarter number three. That is it. Stick around. Quarter number four, we'll name our winner. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. 
You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news, 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim. He's Andy. And first off, out of the gate, Andy. We need a winner from our Ask Andy segment. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Brad because, A, it was one of the first food questions I had, so (laughs) I enjoyed talking about that. But more so because I thought his make or break in the spring, who is this a make or break spring for, was a a good deep football question. So, Brad, you are the winner. It's good of you, Andy, to mention his football question, but let's face it, it was about the food. So, Brad, you you asked about the coffee barbecue rubs. You're going to get yourself some, so we'll be in touch with you. All right, Andy. Um, we also talked about, in quarter number three, one of the questions was saying that this is the time for James Franklin to win. There's no excuses going forward. That was Steve from Columbia. He makes a good point, and I kind of segued it into our topic here in quarter number four which is what is this Big Ten schedule going to look like, not in 23, but in 24 and beyond? This is when USC and UCLA are going to be added to the league. And the first question is, with the addition of those two teams and with the way everything else has been going in college football, are they going to get rid of the divisions in the Big Ten? Oh, geez, please. Please, we hope, we pray, eliminate the two divisions in the Big Ten. Take the next step forward, conference, and bring in USC and UCLA. Well done. Outstanding. Land the monster television contract that gets you a marquee game in three different elite Saturday windows. Well done. Now finish it and eliminate those divisions. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And it's it's fascinating, Andy, to me how the cycle goes. Initially, creating the conference championship games, it was a TV revenue thing. 
Then it became something to help you make the playoffs. Remember, the extra data point is what they talked about in the college football playoffs. And the Big 12 kind of hurt themselves because they didn't have that extra data point. They lost out essentially on a tiebreaker to get in. Now, especially with the playoffs expanding to 12 teams, the conference championship game can hurt you. The, The element being... What if a team in the West Division with three or four losses upsets an undefeated Ohio State, conference champion gets an automatic bid now, and you don't want that three or four loss team representing you. If you do the conference championship game between your first and second best teams, maybe one's undefeated, maybe one has one loss, you know the winner's going to be a good representative. But let's get back to where we were intended to go here with the schedule, Andy. Now it becomes, how do you schedule this? One of the big questions is, do you do eight or nine games for a conference? I don't see the Big Ten getting off their nine conference games. I, I don't either. I And I like, so you're going to have 16 teams in your conference. Right, so you're you're not looking at this annually. You're looking at it cyclically, right? You're looking at it in whatever you designate as your time, your three or four year cycle, right? You're not looking at it in a one year scenario with sixteen teams. You're looking at it cyclically. So, I think to, to with sixteen teams, you want to play nine of those in a you know you want to play nine games and not eight. You want to play inside your division more because you're trying to help your teams get to that 12 team college football playoff. And you want to make it sort of fair and equitable, unlike the SEC and make sure you are giving your teams that chance. And it feels like playing nine games as opposed to eight does that because then you're, I think four non-conference games get sticky. Doesn't it feel like it would be a, uh, uh, it would cause the teams to have to come up with the programs to have to come up with their own sort of fourth game. You, you don't make them do that. Let them take care of that for them and, and make them only have to worry about three of them. That is a big thing for me. With 16 teams, make a good point. Now here's an easy math solution to the scheduling with playing nine games. How about you have three rival games Those are the teams that you would play every year. So if you take yourself, three rival teams, that leaves 12 teams remaining. If you split them in half, six and six, Andy, what you can do over a four-year span is you play those rivals, you know, two at home, two on the road in that four-year cycle. Then that other 12 teams, you alternate the six and six. You could play each one of those teams home and home and get to everybody. So you play your three rivals every game and play the other 12 teams essentially twice in the four-year cycle. Does that work for you? Um, (laughs) Mathematically it works, but, but how are, what are the annual rivals, right? Like how are those decided? And it gets sticky for me, right? If you're Penn state, I mean, let's start at the top, right? We know that 
whatever schedule goes, Michigan and Ohio State are going to play each other, right, Jimmy? That's of not going to change. So they're permanent rivals. They're permanent rivals. You don't, if you're the conference, you don't want to have what you have now, which is Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan in the same division playing each other every year and eliminating possibilities for your conference teams because of that. That's where it gets real sticky for me. I mean, if you're Penn State, you're not shy about playing Michigan and Ohio State annually. You've been doing it for decades. But you're adding USC and UCLA, and wouldn't it be nice to not have to face a schedule that says, well, at the top is we're going to have to play Michigan and Ohio State, and for a decade we've been trying to climb that mountain. And that it just seems like you have to make sure that your teams are not in this scenario. You don't duck anybody or anything. But let's not put, if you're Penn State, it's simply put, if you're Penn State, how in the heck can you want to have Michigan and Ohio State as two of your three rivals on an annual basis? I don't think you want that. Well, how about this, Andy? At least for the near future, we look at the blue bloods in the conference as being Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and I think you got to put USC in there right now, correct? Right, yeah, they're top ten, okay. yeah. <laughs> now, you can't have each of those teams playing all three of the others and make those rivals. Now, if if you rotate those about, if you have as Penn State say one of the two, either let's make uh, Ohio State a rival for Penn State, let's make USC a rival, but not Michigan. Right. So Penn State plays Michigan every other year. Obviously, that means Michigan plays Penn State every other year. And Penn State does get Ohio State every year. That gives you, it spreads out those games among your elite teams. Now, the other thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit because I got this concept from somebody else. If you're doing this on a four-year cycle where maybe that first cycle, Ohio State is your is a rival for Penn State that they play all four years. Maybe the next four-year cycle, Michigan goes in and right. Ohio State drops out. Good. Good. So, that makes sense to me because you just not both. Mix and match whatever you have to do so it's not both. So that, you know, that they're not one of the I, I one of the two teams that, you know, in the top ten in the country that had to play two of the Four college football teams. Penn State played Ohio State and Michigan. And I believe Tennessee played, uh, well, they played Georgia. Alabama didn't make it. So I don't know that another top 10 team in 2022, the finishing top 10, had to play two college football playoff teams. No. Don't that happen. Don't make your team do that. Now, remember, the other variable in this, Andy, is the 12-team playoff. And it it was interesting to me. I always thought, well, this is a case where maybe you want to start scheduling tougher out-of-conference games because a tiebreaker will be games that you won as opposed to games that you lost. But by it's it's not just USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten. You also have Texas and Oklahoma going to the Southeast Conference. Correct. Does the math now work such that if you're in the Big Ten – or you're in the Southeast Conference, and you have two losses, you're pretty much going to make a 12-team playoff. 
Yeah, I. So, does it sound? Uh, I don't think that. No matter what your schedule looks like, right? Do you think it's ten? I think it's nine. I think you could be in a twelve-team playoff and be from the Big Ten or SEC and be a nine and three team, based on who your schedule is. Ten would be like the safe or comfortable number, but I think nine is a possibility. And whatever you do, just keep those numbers in mind is the way I look at it, that you're looking for provide teams the opportunity that are nine and three and 10 and two, the best opportunity to be in the 12 team playoff. That is the way I look at it. Uh, Jimmy is look at the end number and then work your way back and provide as many teams as you can that opportunity inside your conference because you know the sec is going to do it well what you do though is having to look at that if you have a schedule that penn state could potentially have playing michigan playing ohio state playing usc all in the same season not to mention throwing in a wisconsin or someone of that caliber if you get through that schedule 10 and 2 you would expect to be a top 10 team, which means you make the playoffs, right? What are they going to do? How are they going to set up the 12-team playoff matters? But at its core, yes, you should. There should be nothing that tells you that you are not a 12-team college football playoff team with that kind of schedule and those kind of results. Well, the thing to remember on top of all of this, Andy, is you have – it's conference championships teams are going to go. You could have a case where, you know, a not so great ACC team or big 12 team or PAC 12 team Wins could it. get in. And remember with the moving of Texas, Oklahoma, USC, it limits how good those conferences might be. All right, Andy, again, that time went way too fast. Unfortunately, That has to be it. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? 
Why Penn State by author Greg Woodman looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind We Are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.